Hello and welcome to the Work Matters Podcast, part two of our parenting episode. We discuss what matters at work and how to make it better. I'm Robert Richardson, here with Dr. Steve Hunt. Steve, what matters at work today? Well, family matters, but in part two, specifically fatherhood or really the other people that are supporting the mother. Pam, welcome back to part two. Uh, we're going to jump right into it. You had mentioned in the last episode that there really is a difference between mothers and not mothers. Can you talk a little bit more about that? You know, if you say that different parents have different parenting roles, can you talk about sort of how those roles tend to break down a little bit? Absolutely. I mean, there does tend to be a primary caretaker. That person does tend to be mom by and large. And that person is expected to pay a lot more attention to the kids, to the household, to caretake. While my own mother was a professional, she was also a physician. She never let anybody know that she was practicing medicine. We actually thought that she was away working with an interior decorator when she went off to work. I was 12 or so when I found out that actually that wasn't the case because our house was fully decorated and she was still going. But at the same time, I had in my mind too that when I had a child that I didn't like the idea that they would think that my time was distracted at all away. So when I had my son, even though I was a single parent, I always used to say I was my own stay-at-home parent. So I would try and provide both of those roles. And I think the thing that bothered me most was when I couldn't do everything homemade for school events and things like that. Mm. So I would distress cupcakes just to make it seem like I had actually made them at home. You know, all kinds of things like that to try and make up for that. Fathers and non-birth parents pay a really significant role but it tends to be the helping role, the secondary role, the I'm coming to special events role, or this is different because he's here now, dad's here now, and we're going to do this or that. But if kids need something, they tend to yell for mom first. It was funny we were talking about this. My wife commented, my son Antonio, when he was about three years old, once said, moms are for love, dads are for fun, which I think is probably going too far because dad should be for more than fun. But if you look at a family that you've got a working mother who wants to continue working and you're a person that is a caregiver, like a father or someone supporting that working mother, what advice would you give to that person? How can they be most helpful to that mother, recognizing they still have their own career too. So I think it's this challenge. So what would you be your advice from that perspective? Yeah, I think first and foremost is to approach it from a partnership position. For example, they may agree that one's primary role is taking care of the children. The other's primary role is working. But more commonly in relationships now, both are working and both are expected to take care of the kids. But again, women tend to be the primary caretaker. Therefore, he's taking instructions from her. And anytime you ask somebody and say, well, I'll do whatever you want me to do, you're basically putting the onus on them. You're saying, this is really your job, but I'm willing to help unwittingly or not. So coming up with some ideas, how to do things and where you can come in and what you'll be doing, that becomes much more of a 50-50 partnership. I hear a lot from women who will tell me, well, we have a 50-50 relationship. He does half of everything, but then I'll be talking to them and they'll get a phone call in the middle of it with, he's looking, he has no idea where the library books are. He has no idea that she had dance class on Tuesday or soccer on Thursday. And it's okay. It's just that we're really not realistically looking at a split 
like that. So if you decide that you're really having that kind of a split, then get to know those things yourself like you would at work. You said something that I believe really bears repeating, which is don't say, I'll be willing to do whatever you want. It's more like, give me tasks you want me to do. And in the last episode, you said a big challenge for mothers sometimes is when they delegate fully letting other people do it the way they do it. They're not an extension of you. They're a partner. On the other side, I think sometimes as fathers, we're like, well, what do you want me to do as opposed to what can I take ownership for? Exactly. That That's very different. And I think that what things can you take off the mom's plate entirely as opposed to waiting to be told what to do, which is different. Robert, what are your thoughts on this? Because you live this life right now. I, I lived it and you're living it. So yeah. Well, just first off, that, that was a really interesting and subtle difference between ownership and just doing a task for someone. That's really interesting. I have a lot to take from that in my own family. For me, one of the hardest parts about being a working father, I think, is the guilt that you experience. You know, and, and Pam, you hit on this earlier when you were talking about the kind of guilt that women feel or mothers feel and constantly feeling like if you're at the office, you know, you should be at home. If you're at home, you should be at the office. Or if you're thinking about the office, you should be thinking about home. You sort of never feel like you're doing enough on either side. And I think that is probably just every working parent's experience in general. I know that is one of the hardest things that I face in my life, feeling like I've given 110% to both groups. Right. That's very true. And I think men are feeling that way more and more as they take more responsibility at home. But conversely, they're not feeling that way quite as much as you might think. I was thinking as you were talking that you were quite evolved in this. Hmm. I was talking to an executive the other day about support for new parents of which he was one and had returned from paternity leave. And I would say, what other things could you use to support you on the job? And he said, support? Why would I need support? My wife's at home with the kids. Mm. I'm back at work. And <laughs> it was really very interesting. It never occurred to me to give him a definition of support. I just figured he'd be floundering, new baby at home. But I think, yes, guilt is a sign of a father who is likely much more involved at home than others. And it's unfortunate because what we really don't want to impart is more guilt on working parents. Simply the idea that you have to, again, integrate this. You have to be present, as we talked about before, when you're at home, and you have to be present for work, too. And explaining that in a family situation is the main idea and getting comfortable with that. But again, I think that there's a longer way to go. We also, and I'm sorry to belabor this, but we celebrate fathers a lot more for taking time away from work to be with their kids. If he leaves to go to a soccer game, we think, oh, that was awesome. He had a meeting, he left. Whereas for women, it's, oh, she's probably not going to advance so well because she left work to go to a soccer game. We get worried about her productivity. Can I admit for a moment, I have literally taken phone calls from field watching my kids play their sports, you know, during the, during the summer when they were in these classes, because it, I didn't want to miss it. I'm sorry. I didn't want to miss it. So I was. I was doing both at once. Yeah, I've done that too, because partially, if you've ever watched kids' sports, it's not like you need to be hanging on every single (laughs) There's something building on this, Pam, that you said. One is that I think it would be culturally realizing that mothers are more taken for granted, where I think you're right, fathers are celebrated and 
probably one of the things that we can do in general to support is to recognize that the responsibilities a person's taking on and being supportive and realizing, you know, that being a good mother and being a good father, we should be supporting that regardless of the gender. The other thing that you touched on, which I think is really interesting, is I would say in general, this is probably true for work and for like raising a family. If you ever think you've done it all, you're not paying attention. There's no way you can possibly fulfill everything you should feel responsible for as a parent. It's just not possible. Just at the same way that there's no way I can possibly do everything I think I should do at work. It's more about having to make priorities and choices. But if any person was to say to me, oh yeah, I've totally mastered being a parent. I'm done. I'm perfect dad. I got it all nailed. I'm like, then you're a lousy dad because you're not paying attention to your family. <laughs> it doesn't mean you should feel guilty, but you should never feel like you've mastered it. And building on that point though, are there things as a father, when you're looking at supporting a working mother, that you should not do? Yes, there are things that are more or less helpful. I think we're getting into some gender stereotyping here. So mm -hmm. take it with a grain of salt. But men tend to look for solutions immediately where women oftentimes just want to talk through something. They're not necessarily looking for something to be immediately solved. So a woman coming home from work or a woman after a day of taking care of the kids is often looking just to vent, just to be heard. And men oftentimes will immediately want to find a solution. And oftentimes that solution takes the form of, oh, well, just do this. Oh, you should have said this. Or you can do this. Next time, tell him this. And what they're doing is basically, first of all, giving short shrift to how she's feeling and asking her to solve the problem in a way that he thinks he would have. But also, he's really shutting her down in a way that circumvents everything she was trying to do, which was just to say, hear me, I've had a rough day, or I had something difficult happen. I just want you to hear that. That's it. That's all. It's really hard for a lot of men to do because they want to find the solution, which is nice. Well, I'll just admit that is totally me all day long. And I've learned something. I learned it from another podcast, actually. And I'm trying to do it more often. And that is when my wife comes to me with, you know, an issue, I'm trying to ask more often, do you want to be heard? Or do you want me to start solutioning? Because I will immediately start solutioning and I have to work really hard not to. Beautiful. That's, that's great. If you could stop and ask that question, that's beautiful. Nine times out of 10, she's looking to talk it through. Solutions are later. Yeah, I've definitely had the same thing with my wife, for sure. I, I think that, uh, as you point, whether or not this is a gender difference, I don't know, but it sure, it seems to be a biological difference between men and women in sort of that attitude. We're out of my area of psychology. I think also, as you said, too, that if you try to solve it, to some degree, you're probably telling somebody often stuff they know they would have liked to do anyhow and just making them feel more guilty, which is a problem. Are there other things? I imagine, again, you're sitting down, you're talking to a guy who's like, my wife is pregnant, we're about to have a child, she's a professional woman, she's really into her career, I want to support her. What other advice would you have for that? Well, I think one is to understand that her experience at work is likely different than your experience with work. Um, so when she's talking about a fear, perhaps that if she has to take extended time off or ask for flexibility, that she's probably right about feeling that she's going to be perceived a certain way that's different than what he might be being perceived as. So if they are going to try and find solutions, they have to take, you know, the perspective of what she says is going to be the case. And then I think it has to be a willingness to be more flexible. I mean, if you're really committed to both people having 
dynamic careers and you're not putting the brakes on one career versus another, then you have to say, you know, what are each of us willing to give up? And again, for a first child, I cannot overstate how much you plan adequately for that. You both know what a life-altering position you're in when that baby is born. Everything flies out the window and then you go from there. But if you decide that that commitment is there, that both careers are going to be there, then you have to decide together what accommodations are we going to make for each of us? For whom are we willing to move if you get another job? Mm. Uh, Is he willing to take a back seat? And if not, and neither she, then what are we going to do for caretaking? Really sit down and look at that without guilt, but just being very pragmatic about it. Yeah, I just, one of the things too, looking at this, and this is related to all sorts of work issues, is to have this conversation before you need to have it. Yeah. That recognizing that when you actually need to have it, you'll probably decide differently. Right. But starting that dialogue in advance, I think, is a really important thing where you kind of go through and touch on those major issues. I think that's really, really good advice. Yeah, go ahead, Robert. Well, and actually, that's a really good point, because then after you have the baby, I think to our earlier segment, during your parental leave, probably talk about it again, because as Pam mentioned in our earlier segment, things really change. You have a vision of what this is going to look like before you become a parent. And man, reality can be a lot different than expectation. So Pam, I'm curious, parental leave, are there differences? How is it different for men versus women? And do you have any advice? We talked about advice for women in maternity leave. Any advice for men after paternity leave? Yeah, absolutely. I work with a lot of companies on designing best-in-class parental leave programs and invest case situations, both men and women have the same amount of leave. And it's very interesting because a lot of times men get told when they're about to go out on leave by managers, gee, this really isn't a great time for you to be going on leave. Now, no one would say that to a woman who is about to go on maternity (laughs) leave. But, you know, men have that extra guilt attached to that. And I will say conversely, where we have best in class programs, and for example, where companies will say, well, if you don't want to take your whole leave, we'll buy it back. We'll pay for childcare. We'll pay you to come back early. And we think, oh, that that's great. But usually what happens is about 98% of the time, it's the non-birth parent who takes that. And so it really contributes to gender disparities at work. Because who wouldn't want to get back to a quiet workplace where everything's orderly as opposed to being at home where everything is in chaos. But on paternity leave, it's exhausting for fathers too. I mean, even recognizing that moms are likely recovering from childbirth and are exhausted, I think there's some acknowledgement that, hey, he's also sleep deprived, is also exhausted and needs support from family and friends as well. But when he goes back to work, he has to advocate for himself, assuring his colleagues that he has been out on family leave, on paternity leave, and that you know he's coming back from a challenging, wonderful, but challenging situation. He's not coming back from sabbatical feeling yeah. refreshed. So I think that's really important and difficult for fathers. It is. And you said they think is really a good tip for people in general when you're working with people that have, if you're going to ask a question, say, would you ask the same thing to the mother as the father? I think your point on that is like, oh, maybe this is not a good time to take leave. You would never ask this. But I think there are so many places where us as working with working parents should run that filter through our head. Would I say this differently if it was the mother? I actually experienced that. I've taken four instances of 
paternity leave with four kids. And it was really interesting. You know, my first three, I took a week or two working for a startup. And then my last one, I was offered seven weeks. I ended up taking six weeks. And uh, that was with SAP. It was so striking to hear you say that, Pam. I do actually remember being told by one person, this isn't a great time for it. Don't be posting anything on social media showing that you're having a good time because that person was afraid that people would see it and judge me in my career. I think he had the best of intentions, by the way. This was not my boss. So for anybody who's at SAP and knows my social circle, <laughs> uh, you're not going to figure out who this is and I won't say, but I think he really had my best interest at heart. But that's a really challenging situation that men face where they are and even if they're they're not, they still feel judged for the amount of time that they're taking off. I'll just add one more thing because I know Pam, you specialize in this area. For companies out there thinking through parental leave, I will tell you, experiencing six to seven weeks of parental leave after having three kids and doing, you know, one to two weeks each was life changing. The experience I had with my fourth child was dramatically different than that of any other child, and SAP easily bought the next five years of loyalty from me. It was night and day. I still feel that loyalty to SAP as a result of that action. So Pam, looking at this this issue of as a father or as, as not the birth parent, are there any other things going on that you would you'd recommend in terms of maybe how you approach work? Because we talked in the previous episode about how the mother might talk to a manager and establish role expectations. If I'm going to be a father, what conversation should I be having with my manager? Because I don't think those happen normally. I do think that like when a mother's, they definitely have that conversation. But I think oftentimes fathers is like, oh, yeah, next week we'll have this meeting. Oh, by the way, I'm having a child. <laughs> it's just like, you know, <laughs> just sort of an aside. What would be the conversation that you'd say, you know, if you're, if you're going to be a father, you should sit down with your manager and here's a dialogue that you should have. Well, it depends in part on what the situation at home is. If the father is not expected to play the major role at home and their work isn't going to shift as much, then the conversation really becomes around what kind of parental leave he's going to need when the baby's born, what the expectations are around that, what ramp up is going to be. And again, to your point, giving some notice beforehand so that the company can plan around and will at a certain point in time before the baby is actually born. I think it becomes a much more realistic conversation to have, especially now where companies are giving paternity leave to let the companies know that he'll need it. But what if I'm the partner of a working parent who's about to become a birth mother, then by almost by definition, I probably am going to have more active role. I do think in your traditional models where you had fathers who outsourced all the family care, giving responsibilities to somebody else, I think those models happily are disappearing largely, that fathers do want to be more actively involved. But I think sometimes they don't realize what it means to be actively involved, especially if your partner is working because they're going to need more. So from that perspective, what would be the conversation that you think a father should have with their manager about how their work life is likely to change? Yeah, if they truly feel that they have some kind of a handle on the expectations of time off and scaling back, and we've decided I'm going to be need to work X number of hours from home versus in an office, and she's going to do this, then those, it's the same kind of rules of self-advocacy 
I plan to be here. I'm committed to the organization. Still want to move up or work in this role. Here's how it's going to need to shift a little bit. And here's how I plan to accommodate both. It's still a matter of presenting a cohesive plan and saying that they're dedicated, they're committed, they're, they've also got this family plan coming up. This may shift and they just want to keep working with the organization on it. So it's really basically the same rules. Unfortunately for men, likely corporations will respond a little bit more negatively even than they do with women. Women oftentimes feel that they'll get sidelines in their career, but I think more and more companies are trying to accommodate it and accommodate it with respect. I'm not sure that the reverse is true for men yet. Again, we celebrate them doing small things like taking a day off to go to a soccer game or going home to pick up a sick child. But in true flexibility, it is not an expectation that a father will have that conversation. So if you're committed to it, you need to map that plan out. That's a really good point. I think that, yeah, we celebrate men probably more than we should, but we also don't forgive them as much for making those sacrifices. This point about advocating more strongly that if, if you want to be a very active father in sort of partnering with, with the birth mother, probably if you don't have that conversation and don't advocate for yourself, you'll kind of be pushed back into the stereotypical role where fathers aren't primary caregivers. So I think you probably have to be more consciously aware of it. I think that's a really interesting and interesting point I'd never thought about. You know, I bumped into that before too, this concept that father takes time off to go to a soccer game. Everybody congratulates him. A woman takes off to go to that same soccer game and she has to be afraid that people are going to perceive her parenting of getting in the way of her career. I bumped into that before as well. Pam, is that still just as prevalent today as it used to be? I think it's fairly prevalent in a surprising way. I think that there are opportunities for men who are managers to make that less so. And I think that's kind of shifting. When my son was little, I can remember doing handstands to make it to events at school during the day. I mean, just moving things incredibly so. And one man would show up there to a meeting and everybody would say, say wow, that's awesome that you took off from work. And I'm like banging my head on the table, like, you know. And he would say, well, I'm a stay-at-home dad or I had the day off. And I'm like, I didn't. I think that we have to get comfortable with just making the assertions that we're making the time. I do think I, some sense of humor is required to make any kind of a shift. And we, we've lost that everywhere. To me, there's nothing that makes things better more quickly than having a little bit of a sense of humor about it instead of always being outraged about it. And I think sometimes it's like shedding light on something. Things get better if we can just laugh about them a little bit when we do comparisons. Yeah, I so agree with that, Pam. And on that, I think we'll wrap up on that's a great note to sort of end this conversation, which I think probably in general with you know being a parent, being partners, assume positive intent, try to laugh at things rather than get angry. <laughs> this is so good. Well, thank you so much for appearing on Work Matters and sharing all these insights into family matters from both perspectives. I've learned a ton of stuff. So thank you very much for, for appearing on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you both so much. Well, Robert, I did the previous episode with Pam, a bunch of stuff I wish that I had known 25 years ago. Although on a positive side, I don't think I totally screwed up being a dad. <laughs> know your child too well but i see him on facebook all the time and he seems to be doing pretty well in life so you know you did all right 
<laughs> so we'll see how mine some... turn out. They're still young. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're still hope. So what were some of the things that you took away? I think one thing that w- has been really interesting between these two conversations is how similar, in a lot of cases, it didn't, the advice was actually very similar, right? Depend- and it didn't matter whether you were a male or a female. The question was, were you the primary caretaker or a primary worker? In a lot of ways, the advice was very similar across both populations. Be mindful about parental leave. Talk about it with your manager. Get some of these things out there ahead of time, both before you take the parental leave and then think about it again during so that you can reset expectations afterwards. That's striking to me. There's no difference in that advice between men and women. Yeah, I think there was a single thread across the whole thing is have these conversations about issues before they come up and recognize that no matter what you plan, it's going to have to change. Two things that I took on the father side from this that Pam shared. One is if you are helping, and this is, and we say father, I mean anyone who's not the, the birth mother. The first one is don't ask what I can do to help. Say, what can I take off your plate? Take ownership yeah. for things. Yeah. And as she said, on the other hand, yeah. the birth mother has to also let you take ownership for it, you know, not micromanage. But I think that's a real difference. It's a difference when you say, what can I take off your plate as opposed to what do you want me to do? And the other one that was at a personal level as a, as a father is that need to advocate that, yes, on one hand, dads probably get more celebration for taking an active role with their kids than they should relative to mothers. But on the other hand, that they are not expected to do it as much. And if you want to really have that partnership, part of it is you need to advocate for yourself and your organization to say, I am going to put my family ahead of work more than maybe somebody who chose to outsource their family care responsibilities. And you've got to fight. There's a stereotype there, too. There And we tend to focus on supporting women, but there's also a stereotype about men won't be actively involved. And if we want to be, and if we want women to be more actively involved in the workplace, men need to be actively involved in the home place. And, And that's an important part of this equation that I think does not get addressed. I'd never really thought about it till we had this conversation. Yeah. And her other point about making sure that you have great work life integration and that you're focusing on your well-being as well. It's really hard to focus on your well-being if you're not advocating for yourself. You need that workout. You need that break. And in our family, one thing that we talk about a lot is putting the mask on. When you're on that flight, they always say, you know, make sure to put your mask on first before helping others because you can't mm-hmm. help someone if you're passed out. Right. You don't save yeah. your child if you're, if you're unconscious. And in a lot of ways, I feel like that applies to parental life too. If you fail to put the mask on and go for that run or take a break or refresh yourself, you're not any good to your children or to your employer. It's been we fair to take care of wrapping up this session. Been a very fascinating conversation. So Robert, you want to take us out? Absolutely. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Thanks to our guest again, Pamela Cohen. Thanks to our editor, Robbie Echevarria. Thanks to our chief sanity officer, Morgan Garner and Domi Caputo of SAP.io's Foundry program for making this show possible. We'd also like to thank Claudia Weller and the whole Open SAP team for supporting this and so much other educational programming. As always, if you've enjoyed this podcast, we really ask you, we hope we've earned a new subscriber and that you'll give us a quick rating wherever you listen to your podcast. It really does help other people find this programming. We'll be sure to give you more information in our show notes. So if you're looking for more on Dr. Pamela Cohen or SAP, please look no further than that. 
We look forward to seeing you on the next podcast because what matters? Well, today, family matters. Work matters. Thanks for joining us on the Work Matters Podcast.